0: And welcome to the Marine Menu Cherry Show. It's Thursday. We're live here in Seattle. And of course, you can listen to us online too at www.energyintuitive.com. And also, Eric, how do they find us on KKW's website?
1: Just go to 1150kknw.com. You can click the listen live button and listen live.
0: I love Wherever that. you are in the world. I know, wherever you are in the world. Oh, I love that. You can also listen to every show that I've done in over three years now here on, in Bellevue, in Seattle. Uh, on the podcast on my website at energyintuitive.com as well. They're all there. Um, lots of ways to find us. Lots of ways to find us. Thursdays are one of my favorite days to be in the studio because I get to interview what I consider amazing, wonderful people who can share their own light in the world, perhaps differently than the way I do. I think it's so nice to have um, multiple approaches to awareness and consciousness and spirituality So that each of us can kind of weave in our own pattern and make it uniquely our own. And perhaps the words of another person can inspire us or enlighten us in a way that maybe I can't or the person that I interviewed two years ago can't. So today, of course, is interview day. And I'm thrilled and grateful to interview Tammy Simon, who is the founder and publisher of Sounds True, an independent multimedia publishing company based in Boulder, Colorado, founded in 1985. The company's mission is to inspire and support personal transformation and spiritual awakening. Familiar to many as the voice of Sounds True, Tammy conducts an in-studio author, Dialogue, and hosts the popular free cast series, Insights at the Edge. Sounds very intriguing. Over the past 26 years, Sounds True has published over 1,000 titles and multiple formats, including books, spoken word, audios, instructional DVDs, music CDs, interactive learning kits, and online courses. Its collection focuses on personal healing and spiritual transformation, featuring titles by many of the leading spiritual teachers, authors, and visionary thinkers of our time. In addition to her work It Sounds True, Tammy is also a senior meditation teacher under the guidance of Dr. Ray, the founder and spiritual teacher of Dharma Ocean, um, an organization based in Tibetan Buddhism. So welcome, Tammy, from Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to Seattle Radio. How are you?
2: Thank you.
0: Doing wonderfully. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> You're welcome. It was so uh, such a pleasure for me to meet you this summer um, when I was visiting your um, beautiful uh, organization and learning more about Sounds True. In fact, while I was there, one of the things I loved, and of course we'll get to know more about you and what you do for work, of course, all the fun things that keep you happy. But while I was there, the employees were um, showcasing all of their artwork in the hallways.
2: Yeah. Uh, we have an art salon, Every so often. And interestingly, the whole culture of Sounds True has developed a lot from the employees themselves, meaning it's not a top down situation. It's more a percolating from within. And someone had an idea at one point that there was a lot of creativity among the people who worked at Sounds True. And some of it was expressed in their actual work at our publishing company. And some of it was expressed in their personal lives in different ways through photography or collage, or people making dolls, or making doll houses, or uh, even further than that, that there were a lot of musicians who worked at the company, and someone who juggles, and they wanted to put together this art salon that would demonstrate all of the creativity and celebrate people's creativity, whether or not it was directly related to their work at Sounds True or Not. And so we came up with this idea of having this art show throughout the hallway, and then also an evening salon where we would serve wine and cheese and
0: different people could perform during the art show. Oh opening. my gosh, I missed that part of it. <laughs> that would have been so fun. It was beautiful. It was also very, um, well, it was homey, first of all, to see, you know, parts of people's spirit in the art that, that was displayed because there was actually woodwork as well as, of course, you know, graphic art and um, drawings and painting. It was really quite beautiful, but it made me feel right at home just to be around the energy of so many people, even people I hadn't met as of yet, or I didn't get to meet everyone while I was there. It was quite gorgeous.
2: Yeah, I think the idea is that we're actually whole people all the time. And I think sometimes in the workplace, there can be this idea that you have to bring your quote unquote professional self to work or your professional mask to work, even worse, case, where you have to bring some right. sort of persona and hear what we're inviting people is to be the whole of who they are, which includes hobbies that they have and things like that, and that that's welcome in the workplace, all that everybody is.
0: Wow. Yeah, it was beautiful. What a great idea. And, of course, I got to meet a whole bunch of dogs while I was there, too, because everybody gets to bring their dogs to work.
2: Exactly, because that's also (laughs) part for a lot of people, uh, especially out here in Boulder, Colorado, where taking your dog out for a hike is one of the um, favored activities. Uh, it's, it's definitely a place where lots of, I mean, people love their dogs everywhere, but for whatever reason in Boulder, it seems it's particularly the case. And that's a big part of people's lives mm-hmm. is, is, is are, are that relationship with their animal. Mm-hmm. And as long as their dogs are well-behaved, we have a, a part of our handbook that says three, <laughs> three poops and you're out. And of course we don't enforce <laughs> it, but it, it is written.
0: That's funny. That's really funny. I loved it. Well, I didn't see any pooping while I was there. But the dogs were lovely. They were just very friendly and just another you know, wonderful part of walking into the building and feeling at home. Because one of the things that I found most fascinating when I spoke to the producer who um, worked on the CD program that you're publishing, thank you so much, uh, is that uh, authors are not allowed to bring scripts into the studio. And I am assuming that was your vision you know, from the beginning to make sure people aren't reading from a script.
2: Yeah, I think what I discovered, and I think probably a lot of people have discovered this, if you go to a conference and somebody stands up at the podium and they read a script, it's nothing like when somebody stands up at the podium and you know they have an idea of what they want to say. It's not that they're coming unprepared. They may even have notes and an outline. But there's something happening in the moment that can even have a type of historic feeling to it where you get goosebumps while you're listening. Mm -hmm. And the most charismatic teachers, I've found at least, open up to something moving through them. And that's what's actually expressing itself. And audio, capturing something on audio, like this conversation we're having, I call it a hot medium. And what I mean by that is that it's capturing in the moment the actual magnetics that are being communicated from somebody. And when we're reading, we're reading with only one part of ourselves, and we're trying to make sure that we get something right, and it can be a kind of narrowing, actually, of our attention. When we're speaking and we're letting something move through us that has this quality of, you could say, transmission of magnetic communion with a listener, we're so open to letting that move through us, that's a diff- that's different, and it creates a different kind of audio end product as well.
0: mm mm-hmm. And do you think that's what brings so much popularity to Sounds True, initially through the audio that you only did initially with the company, um, but also through now the books that you publish as well? I
2: I think that's part of it. And of course, this is nothing against books on tape. It's a different kind of medium. And reading a book on tape is a wonderful thing, and and, uh, listening to a book on tape is a wonderful thing. It's just a different form. And I think when it comes to receiving spiritual teachings in particular, when it comes to really being guided through a meditation or being told a story or even someone sharing something that's really important and inspirational to them, I, I do think that that's where the scripts uh, take away instead of add. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of Sounds True's popularity, you know, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. I think it's choosing uh, powerful authors who have this ability to speak in the way that I'm describing. I think the format that we've used is part of it. I also think we began by talking about the workplace culture. And I actually think that people can feel in companies what I would call, quote-unquote, a love mark, which is a phrase that a friend introduced me to uh, that's in the popular dialogue now. I don't know who invented it. But it's the idea that businesses not only have trademarks, that you can actually earn a love mark, and that it's the businesses that have love marks, which is that the audience feels the goodness and the integrity of the mm-hmm. company, and they want to do business with them. And I, I actually think that's part of what's been an element in the Sounds True story over the last 26 years is that we've earned a love mark by actually being loving.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think it's absolutely true. I'm, I remember the first time I actually saw the title Sounds True. I'd picked up um, an audio CD of Eckhart Tolle, um, actually. So this was maybe 11, 12 years ago. And I remember that the energy just verbiated through my whole body. Like I just loved the title so much, and it had this authentic flow of light that really touched my heart. And uh-huh. whenever I saw the title from then on, of course, through what, the things that I began to purchase and all of that, it, it always had that same resonant feeling for me. So, yeah, I think uh-huh. that's absolutely true. So congratulations for making the love marks in your company. I think that's lovely. All right, I think that's lovely. So you've always been attracted to radio and audio. And, and is it the sound of voices that you love so much? And you have a gorgeous voice, by the way. It's it's well, thank stunning. You. And so
2: do you. Our voices are very different, but they carry a lot of different kind. Diff- they, they both carry a lot of information,
0: mm. but
2: differently. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll notice. I mean, I'm, I'm here on the low end. You're on more on the high end, I've got this kind of grounded thing going on, and you've got this very, you know, high uh, attunement and sensitivity. It's interesting. Mm. I, I think some of it is that I get a lot of information from the voice. I think some of it is I just love to listen, and that I think people identify what their preferred form of learning is. And I realized when I was in college that there was something about listening that I actually got more information than I did from uh, reading necessarily a long book. That if I was given a choice, you can read these 500 pages, or somebody's going to give you a uh, synthesis, the essence of it, in a 30 or 45 minute download. I would always go, just tell it to me, just give me the, give, give it to me right now. Now you you could say all kinds of things about that, and I can also imagine people listening saying, God, I'd so much prefer to read that material. And I think it's true that we have visual learners who enjoy reading and taking information in through their eyes. Then we have auditory learners, and then some learners who are kinesthetic, who they they need to get their body somehow engaged in learning in order Mm -hmm. for it to be real for them. They need to have something that is is some kind of physical experience. Mm -hmm. So I do think I discovered for myself that I was an audio learner, and I think that's part of what began Uh, the roots of Sounds True,
0: which is from that experience. Oh, I I think it's lovely. I I absolutely do. And the fact, just the way that, that how it is unscripted, and I know I'm making kind of a big deal of it, I just had never heard of that before. And having made CDs on my own and, and talking to various people who had also, you know, made CDs, even if they had done it through a publisher, no one had mentioned to me that they had done it unscripted. Of course, notes, but it's very different. And I think what also is fantastic about Sounds True, and of course, you know, your vision... Um, is that you have producers that help the author find that place within them that soars, you know, so that they can yeah. bring their best out into the studio.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and of course, in the beginning, uh, that was the role that I played, and it was so fulfilling for me because I wanted to learn. I mean, this was my dream come true. I was in the studio for three, four five days with somebody that I wanted to study with, and I was right there listening to them, asking them questions. Can you fill this in? I didn't quite get that, but wait. That doesn't make So it was really just my great joy in my uh, 20s. I started the company when I was 22. And so being, and I, I had been, I dropped out of college actually because I wasn't able to get the kind of education that I wanted in a traditional academic environment. And so really starting Sounds True was sort of my own alternative education project. And so I loved being the producer myself. And it was a really hard thing for me to give up. But as the <laughs> company grew, just wasn't realistic. I couldn't possibly be in all of the uh, studio sessions and run the company. And so we brought we brought in uh, several different producers. Now we have about four wow. who work with different authors.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it was a great experience for me. So 22, I mean, that's really young. I mean, obviously you knew even before 22, you had been on radio. In fact, I think you hosted a radio program at that time.
2: Yeah. Well, when I went to college, Swarthmore College, I uh, volunteered uh, for the radio station, and they ended up giving me a graveyard shift, which meant that from midnight till 6 a.m., I actually got the keys to the radio station, and I was told, do whatever you want. We're usually closed during midnight and 6 a.m., but if you want to broadcast, go crazy. And, you know, I was actually going a little crazy at that point (laughs) in my life, uh, my sophomore year at college, and so I loved going up to the radio station, especially I, I couldn't sleep often, and I would do surveys of... Uh, what was happening on campus that I thought people might be interested in and play all different kinds of mixes. And I, yeah, I fell in love with the radio at that point in my life. Wow! And when I moved out to Boulder, that was when I started hosting an interview show with spiritual teachers. And it was that interview show that really grew into the beginnings of Sounds True.
0: Mm. And one of the people that you interviewed, I, I think regularly, if I read it correctly, is Ram Das which one of my favorite people of all time. (laughs) He's fabulous. Wow. I mean, that's really cutting edge at that time, just very cutting edge.
2: Well, yeah, we were in the mid-1980s, and that was when Ram Dass was at the height, really, uh, of his teaching, of his public teaching. Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing all of our equipment down, because it wasn't just interviews that we published. We published lecture recordings and studio recordings. I remember going to Denver, and there I was sitting behind this huge soundboard, recording Ramdas in front of you know a thousand people in Denver, and it was you know right in the very very beginning of the company. And I thought, wow, I just felt so lucky to have landed right in that position.
0: Wow, that's a beautiful story. So we're talking with Tammy Simon today, the founder of Sounds True. She's in Boulder, Colorado, and taking time from her busy day as a publisher um, to talk with us live on the air. And we'll be right back.
1: For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, family, relocation or just curiosity call for a live reading tuesdays at 5 p.m and visit deborah's website at deborahsilvermanastrology.com. join marie on october 20th for her thursday evening class stepping into consciousness this two-hour long seminar will teach you how to positively live in this reality come interact with like-minded people and you may even receive a mini reading Stepping into Consciousness will be held from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. That's 425-825-5671. Manson Mitchell welcomes returning guest John Welshens, who dispenses great insight into healing your most difficult relationships. Then Rosemary Ellen Guiley joins us in studio, a rock star of the paranormal world. Rosemary investigates haunted and mysterious sites and has written 40 books, including nine encyclopedias. I hope two hours with Rosemary will be enough. That's Manson Mitchell at 10 a.m., followed by The Gary Mann Show at 11 Pacific.
0: Are you curious about The Other Side or Afterlife Experiences? You may not remember living in this alternate realm, but it is your true home. Marie has worked with thousands of clients providing closure and healing for those living here on Earth and those now living on the other side. Join Marie at her Other Side workshop Saturday, October 8th at the Redmond Town Center Marriott from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. There's nothing else like it on the dial. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. It's Thursday, so I get to interview another lovely, wonderful person. And today I get to interview Tammy Simon. She's the founder of Sounds True. And also my publisher, so of course I'm very doubly, triply excited. (laughs) Yeah, very exciting. So you became interested in about a decade ago in meditation through studying Buddhism.
2: Well, you know, I actually became interested in meditation when I was at Swarthmore College in my sophomore year. And it was interesting, there was a gentleman on a Fulbright scholarship there from Sri Lanka. And he was teaching a course on Buddhism and existentialism. And as soon as I saw that title, I was like, that course is for me. (laughs) And he and I became friends, and at that point he introduced me to meditation. And I was so uh, drawn both to him and uh, to the practice of meditation and to what I heard from him was, quote-unquote, the Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha, that I left Swarthmore College and went to Sri Lanka, India, and Nepal for a year. And got quite serious about meditation at the time, studying with a gentleman named Sri Goenka, who was a Burmese meditation master. And I attended these very, very serious 10-day meditation retreats. They were like meditation boot camp. They were completely silent retreats. You woke up at 5 in the morning and you meditated until 10 at night. Wow. And it was a really, really profound experience in my life. I mean, I'm 21 years old. conversation was simply filling space. And that didn't seem of interest to me. And I realized that people were just so uncomfortable with silence. And so I wasn't speaking, which was, of course, very, very, very disturbing to my parents. <laughs> you can only imagine. I was called Big Mouth when I was
0: a small child.
2: And here I was, you know, not talking. And on top of that, I didn't want to finish college, which was also very disturbing, as you can imagine. Although you
0: got, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but you got exactly what you needed from that educational experience. I mean, it gave you everything.
2: I did. It took a while to kind of see it, but, you know, (laughs) at at, at that point in time. But anyway, that was my first discovery of meditation. But because I had this sort of energetic challenge of how to uh, not shake, rattle, and roll when I meditated, I actually stopped meditating mm. in my 20s mm. and decided that what I really needed to do was get grounded and saw that running a company and having responsibilities and being part of the world and really building a place at the table, quote-unquote, which is why when I even tell you that story about being the audio engineer and recording a Ramdas live lecture, why it was so meaningful to me. And it was meaningful because... In that period of my life, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, 22, it was unclear to me if I was going to find a way to be part of the world. W- was I going to be able to contribute? Was I going to be able to find any kind of work that would make sense for somebody like me? And uh, Sounds True was really a, a gift that came uh, in response to this cry of my soul to make some, some kind of contribution. Mm-hmm. But So I had discovered the practice of meditation. But then I stopped meditating, and then I worked with different teachers over the years. But I was kind of making my own pastiche of a path, if you will. I was taking a little bit from here, a little bit from there. And then at about the age of 39, I was working in the studio with a gentleman named uh, Dr. Reggie Ray, who had studied with chokyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who was a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, Thank you you for saying his
0: name, by the way. I I was going to try to say the Tibetan master's name. I'm so glad you said it. Thank you.
2: Sure. Say it again. (laughs) Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Thank you. And he was the founder of Naropa University, so people often know him through that, and as well, Shambhala Publications and the Shambhala Sun Magazine. And during the course of his life, he was the originator of many, many different dharma organizations who were putting out his work and teachings in different ways, and that still continues today. But in any case, Reggie had studied with him, and when he came into the Sound Street studio, he and I connected in a very special kind of way, and I saw that by committing and studying with him deeply, that there were ways that I could discover things differently than just kind of making my own uh, collage, if you will, on my own. So that was a real turning point in my life.
0: And and now you teach meditation, um, you know, outside of Boulder as well.
2: Yeah, well, so I I worked with Reggie for a while and really went through a pretty intensive course of training with him, uh, meditating six, eight, ten weeks a year on retreat and in programs under his guidance. And, you know, part of our relationship has always also had a devotional quality, and that's just something that has spontaneously arisen in my heart. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I was saying to him, you know, Reggie, I I just want to do whatever I can to help you. What could I do? And it's not the first time I've made that kind of statement to him. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, at this point, Tammy, there's only one thing you can do, which is to go out and teach. And I was like, really? I don't think I'm ready. (laughs) I was like, let's just get real. I don't think I'm ready. (laughs) Like, when you teach meditation, don't you need to be... Uh, more confident, more this, more that. And he's like, actually, the only way you're going to learn more, or the best way for you to learn more is through teaching. Mm -hmm. And in a a sense, he kicked me out of the nest. Mm -hmm. And I I, uh, am grateful to him because he's right that I've grown and continue to grow and learn so much through teaching. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you both have beautiful energy together. I've seen his picture. And of course, I've met you. You have very sibling energy. So you've been together uh-huh. in multiple lifetimes you know each other so deeply and probably obviously before you ever met um, but yeah the connection is very deep um, it's beautiful it's really quite gorgeous well thank you for it <laughs> Feel, well. feels that way yeah it's yeah. really true and so when you go out and teach which you've been doing for how many years now maybe about four wow yeah three or four yeah. and what is that experience like for you
2: interesting Well, okay, this is the Marie Monasheri show, so I'm not going to hold (laughs) anything back. One of the uh, ways of teaching in our lineage that's so important, and in in a way it's interesting, it gets back to what I said about when someone is able to come into the studio without a script and what's able to move through them, is that you actually let, quote-unquote, the lineage teach through you. Mm. You're actually not doing the teaching from your ego self or a sense of being a separate self at all, you're really becoming transparent to the intelligence and wakefulness of reality. And it's not like a singular dead person that's speaking through you in a channeled kind of way. It's more opening up and letting the wisdom of the moment and the wisdom of the space and the bright, sense of expansion and possibility that is our lineage, that that then speaks through you. And so it's been very interesting to me because I've noticed that as I take the teacher's chair, I I feel different. I feel that I'm sort of sitting in a lineage throne, if you will. And there's a trust that what is said is what needs to be said in that moment. And I often wait until I feel just the right sense of, it's like an electrical quality, and sometimes I can sit for quite some time before actually speaking, and then there's a a sense of something moving through me.
0: Gorgeous. Well, your students are very blessed to have you. And I know it's a mutual shared experience for you, that uh, it helps you to grow and be more of that person that you want to be, or that that place that you don't even know what it is, that you then get to touch and discover and integrate and... And delight in
2: exactly, mm-hmm. and I've learned so much. I mean, actually, what's strange is that what I just described is totally true. And meaning, sitting in the chair, there's a sense of really things coming through me that are beyond necessary. That they're not things I've ever thought before, or that I've known before. And in a way, I'm teaching myself meditation. If that makes sense, totally. Meaning, uh, uh, I'm you know, I'll start. Uh, giving a talk and I won't really know what's going to happen at the end, I'm like, oh my God, that was so helpful. That was so (laughs) instructive to me. Right. like There's still sort of a small me that's also present that's learning and growing in the midst of this experience of this uh, bigger self moving through.
0: Ah, gorgeous. Well, I look forward to taking um, one of your meditation courses and you actually will next year in May be closer to Washington State than Boulder, Colorado teaching a meditation program.
2: Yeah, at uh, on Salt Spring Island. there will be a five-day program. And then each year with a co-teacher, David Iozzi, he and I teach a five-month training called Meditating with the Body. And really that training is the entryway into this tradition. Uh, and it's working with the body as the gateway to wakefulness. And so we work with space in the body. We work with connecting with the quality of the earth entering the body Uh, we work specifically with uh, the central channel of the body so in front of the spine Mm. and the whole meditating with the body program is based on practices from tibetan yoga Mm. and for the longest time many of these practices of tibetan yoga were considered very advanced and sophisticated and they were withheld from the public and of course what are the real reasons for that i mean very likely could be cultural and political versus really being in the best interests of the students. And one of Reggie Ray's great gifts is that he studied the entire Tibetan yogic tradition and then found a way to introduce these essential practices from Tibetan yoga to a general audience. So that's what we teach in Meditating with the Body.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so if people want to find out about these two courses, can they go to Sounds True to find out about them?
2: Actually, the best place to go is dharmaocean.org.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Well, it is Thursday, and it is my honor. I've been interviewing Tammy Simon, the founder of Sounds True. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
1: Get to know your spirit guides at Marie's November 5th Saturday workshop. Marie, along with her guides and yours, will help you to feel more confident in your connection. This interactive day-long workshop will assist you in unraveling the mystery of your guides. You will learn techniques to better understand their existence in your life and to communicate with them. Come join Marie at the Courtyard on Lake Union on November 5th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health and hormones. The DVD series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671. Don't forget, this is Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
0: And welcome back to the Marine Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle, and it is Thursday. My guest is the founder of Sounds True, Tammy Simon. Tammy... It's been so much fun. I mean, we still have, luckily, plenty of time to talk to you on the air, but I'm having so much fun. Thank you again for agreeing to come on the show and letting me interview you. It's one of my pleasures.
2: My pleasure, too.
0: Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So um, you're, if I remember well, your partner works in the healing world. I, I think Sounds True is in the healing world itself. I mean, there's so many ways to help people heal and um, one of my favorite ways to heal myself is through tea. I just love tea. I mean, a cup of tea can take away pretty much anything for me. Um, and, and that's true, correct? Your um, your partner is a healer? Yes,
2: my, my, my partner, her name's Julie. We've been together for 10 years. It's our 10-year anniversary this year. Oh,
0: happy anniversary. The best part,
2: is, Yeah, the best part is just how crazily in love we are. And she's <laughs> a shamanic practitioner and wow. a shamanic healer. Wow, that's so she, lovely. She goes into trance states. And works with people individually and then also teaches people uh, how to uh, do shamanic journeying and then also how to work as shamanic healers.
0: Wow. Well, it's, Obviously, your worlds work really well together. You know, it's like a perfect meeting of information in minds and from what you have said, love. So that's really it beautiful. It feels
2: like, honestly, a great boon to me. I mean, I, I met her when I was 39, interestingly, around the same time that I met this teacher, Reggie. It was a Time in my life where uh, things were destined to make a type of course change, and I think I'd reached a point at that time in my life where I saw that just giving all of my energy to sounds true wasn't going to fulfill me. Mm -hmm. And I think it was so fulfilling for so long, so fulfilling to have found an outlet where I was helping other people and making money, and uh, you know, I I I was, I mean, I was working seventy, eighty hours a week. Wow. And at a certain point, though. It became apparent. I, I developed shingles and the Epstein-Barr virus.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to was, laugh, by the way. I just, no, it's okay. You can laugh. It's all I, right. I love how the universe comes in and goes, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it basically said stop, S-T-O-P, you know, <laughs> in, the, you know in, in, in every way. And, you know, then I had to do a very deep personal inventory at that time. And what I realized was that I, I hadn't yet in my life to find a true life partner and to make that a priority in my life. And I also had yet to really commit to spiritual practice at the level of depth that I knew was possible and available. And I knew that I would regret both of these things terribly if at the end of my life I hadn't fulfilled the belonging that I had in both of these areas. And then uh, soon after, uh, Julie Kramer came on the scene. And I have to say, it's, it's been a, one of the biggest boons in my life, meaning it's just upgraded everything in my
0: life. <laughs> uh, well, we couldn't be happier for both of you. And again, oh, thank you. happy anniversary. It's wonderful. So in knowing as much as you do about healing and meditation and so many other things that I don't know about you, what are some of the healing modalities that you incorporate into your daily life um, for your growth and preventative practice as well?
2: Well, here's something that's a little odd that I'm going to say, just partially because it's odd. It's a small thing. And that is that I will often ask Julie if she'll give me a blessing.
0: Aww.
2: And what's interesting to me, first of all, that I'm bringing it up, is that it's so powerful when she does this. And part of what, what she'll do is she'll just be quiet and tune in inside. And she usually usually connects to some kind of, spirit guide or wisdom figure, and then uh, linking her energy with theirs, she'll then say something to me that is so healing and corrective and useful and gives me the right orientation that I need in a situation. And so if I'm going through a difficult period or something I really don't understand or a uh, challenge, or even maybe a big public appearance that I'm afraid about, just hearing the blessing and receiving the energy of the blessing can really shift things.
0: Wow. And and what a blessing. That's like having, you know, it's right in your own home. (laughs) It is, exactly. Exactly. And I'm sure she feels very fulfilled by that, you know, that it affects you in that way. And because I think partners revel and that kind of energy when they can be, I, I,
2: I don't know if it, it's, I mean, I make her breakfast every morning, so yeah. I'm doing my part. Do you know what I mean? I do what I can. We all have our gifts.
0: For, so. No, but I, I'm sure that's very fulfilling for her, you know, that, uh-huh. that, that, that can create change for you. Yeah.
2: I think I've that's never, lovely. I've never thought about
0: it. Oh never yeah. Thought about, yeah. Uh, well, I was reading her energy about it, you know, and it's, it's like uh-huh. how, you, how you're making breakfast, right? And, uh, yeah. And then she's doing this thing that maybe doesn't take a lot of time for her, but yet is so powerful for both of you. Yeah, it's it's quite gorgeous. How how organized of both of you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's really gorgeous. And
2: then in terms of, you know, how I receive healing, I mean, I I see a therapist and it's very, very useful. She's a Hakomi therapist. Mm -hmm. And I've been working with her now for about five years. And I think it's really helped mature me in a lot of ways, I think especially in relationships. And here I am talking about this fabulous relationship, and yet I realized early on that I could blow it if (laughs) I didn't uh, change some pretty deep and ingrained attitudes. I mean, Early in the relationship, I said, okay, so basically, this is a 51 49 kind of partnership where I'm in charge, right? <laughs> and I've never, you know, I mean, I've run my own company. I'm the boss. I mean, what, what, what? And Julia was just like, absolutely not. <laughs> right. you know, we're, we're equal partners. And I'm like, anyway. So that was, believe it or not, that was a big adjustment I had to make, which is just what did it mean to live with another person in true partnership? Wow. And this therapist has really, I think, helped. Me understand uh, some of my ingrained biases and loosen them up and I, I really I've changed a lot in relationship
0: I, I think that's wonderful congratulations and, and thank you for sharing too I, I know that you know sometimes we think that other people when their lives look you know When they're able to live their dreams and, like, you you went to the university for, what, one or two years and you got exactly what you needed out of the institution, which is fantastic. When people go for five, seven, eight years and still don't get what they need out of, uh, you know, a big educational experience. I think that says a lot, too, for our young people in the world. You know, is it necessary for them to spend all this time and resources studying something that doesn't feed them passionately? And if they could take the time out in their life before or during college or even after and find out what really moves them so that they can actually do things in the world that feed them like you have. Um, but in my roundabout way of getting there, um, that I think that that brings a lot of um, healing and information for other people who may not think that, that people like yourself actually do these inner practices when, of course, you do.
2: Well, and that the hard periods of our life can bring us tremendous birth of the next phase, meaning... Leaving college was very, very difficult, and I felt lost for probably about a year. But it was also a time when I went deep into prayer and said for you know, many, many months, God, I'm willing to do your work. Show me what it is. And then something came from that prayer. And even as I'm telling you the story of my relationship life and seeing a therapist, and, you know, there were several relationships in my 20s and 30s That didn't work out and it was painful for me. Mm -hmm. And I could see that I was um, one of the constants in those relationships (laughs) and that there was something there for me that I needed to look at. And early on, uh, the therapist I work with said to me, and this had to do with some issues around money, she said, You know, Tammy, you can keep doing what you've done in all your other relationships and you'll probably get a similar result, or you can be willing to try something new. And are you? willing and motivated at this point to try something new. And and I guess what I'm saying is it's not like it's been some, you know, rosy path the entire time. Not at all. It's been seeing that there were difficult spots and then saying, what can I learn here? How can I pray for help? How can I actually do something different so mm-hmm. that my life unfolds in a different way going forward?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. In the interviews that I've listened that you've done, and of course, remembering my own interview um, that you had of me, uh, I noticed that you, you, of course, talk about the inspirational things and the great things that are happening, but you also like to ask about the challenging things. And I was just curious, because um, I, when I was being interviewed, I didn't think the questions were challenging, by the way. i thought, Thought they were lovely. Well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have
2: to get, have another crack at
0: you, <laughs> Okay, I look forward to that. Uh, but I was just curious because when, when you asked a question that I, th- I think you thought was very challenging, and, and I'm not saying it wasn't, it's just my guides had prepared me for the question for weeks in advance, which was so funny because I had no idea that it, they would correlate or relate or that I'd be prepared. But I, but I noticed your eyes got big and you got excited. So I was curious about what is it about asking the tough question that you enjoy so much?
2: Yeah, I think that's a good question.
0: You know, I think that
2: what I've discovered is being with a lot of very well-known spiritual teachers and authors, that there can sometimes be this projection and this illusion that their lives run perfectly, and that the part about that illusion that really bothers me, because then the author or the teacher steps into that and says, okay, I'm only going to show you this part of me. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to show you the part of me that's inspired and excited and happy and wonderful, and the, the times where I'm suffering or that I feel I'm going to keep that to myself because then my audience won't accept that. They won't look up to me anymore. And I've, I've grown to love the adulation that I get for being such an inspiring figure. So first of all, we have public figures who are only showing, spiritual teachers who are only showing the bright side of themselves and mm-hmm. hiding the challenges or difficulties they have in their life. But here's the thing that really bothers me about that, <laughs> that when people go through a difficult period in their own life, they somehow think that they're off the path. Right. They think that they've uh, screwed up, that there's something wrong with them. They blame themselves, when actually, in my experience, the path is a combination of incredibly exciting, wonderful, positive, blissful experiences, and all kinds of experiences and disappointments and and new learnings that require that we go through something that might uh, feel, as we're going through it, a little dark until Mm -hmm. we emerge through the other side. Mm -hmm. And so it's been important to me to try to open that up and not create a sort of false uh, Pollyanna view of what the spiritual path is really is
0: mm-hmm. so that's where so I think
2: g- that's part of yeah that's where I think I get excited yeah I get excited because I think if it can be validated for people that the periods of despair and searching and um, meaninglessness that they experience are actually growthful mm-hmm. that they're right on track that there's nothing wrong with that. That it's simply part of the process, mm-hmm. then they won't move away from it. They'll move right into it, mm-hmm. and they'll go, "Oh, okay, I'm nothing's wrong here. I'm growing. This is part of. There are gaps that occur as we grow, and we, we learn through them, not by retracting back and blaming ourselves for having screwed up.
0: So that's where the juice is, actually, in your opinion. For me, yeah, yeah. Well, and, I, for me, and I agree with you. Actually, you might have to teach me how to do that type of interviewing because you know it's not my strong suit. Uh, but and I agree. I, I think that the way you said it and, and how that's so true, just if everyone would take a quick, even inventory of their life and those hard, difficult, challenging moments actually led them to a lot more light and peace ultimately. But in the moment, it certainly doesn't feel like that at all.
2: Well, yeah, and I, I it's partially, I just think there's more honesty in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not like, I mean, it's not like I want to over fixate on the challenging parts of our lives either. I mean, I'm here, I'm talking about meeting my partner and how it was this great gift, you know, and how it actually upgraded my, I mean, it was a huge thing that just happened and let's celebrate it. So I mean, that's (laughs) wonderful too. But I also don't want to skip over the fact that uh, part of what created a receptivity in me was being slammed down with an illness where I was told that I wasn't probably going to be able to work very much for a couple of years.
0: Right. Or heal from it. Estine-Barr is one of those diseases that, you know, physicians don't always think that there's... Complete healing from.
2: Well, yeah, and at that moment I was lucky because I met an alternative doctor, and he was like, "We're going to kick this in about Oops. twelve weeks." Oh, I and, love
0: it! What and it's a great. great. Doc. He gave me
2: some very powerful, you know, oregano and other uh, yeah. herbs, and you know, I was back on my feet pretty pretty quickly.
0: Wow. Well, I, you know, and I don't think there's a lot that keeps you down, quite frankly. I love it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you work, you know, you, you said you used to work 70 hours a week, and I I, I believe you when you say you don't work 70 hours a week anymore, but you're still up there, you know. You know, 40 at least, and then a few, right?
2: Well, I enjoy creating <laughs> yeah. and contributing, yeah.
0: No, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. So what has been, what would you consider, and I know you've interviewed hundreds of people. Do you know exactly how many people you've interviewed? Do you have a number?
2: Well, I know that just in the Insights at the Edge podcast series, I'm up to about 150 interviews, but, you know, I was interviewing people in my 20s, and wow. I haven't counted those up, So, but but, but quite
0: a few, yeah. Maybe, in what, it could be thousands, really, when you think about it. I mean, that's a long period could of time. Could be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So I know this would be a hard question to answer, and, and I'm sure that it could be answered in multiple ways at different times, but are there, like, a top two or three that you really enjoyed the interview? You know, I mean, I know you yeah, enjoy well, all of them, but...
2: Well, one person occurs to me right away. It's his name is a spiritual ta- teacher named Adyashanti. Mm. If you've ever heard of him, have, Sounds yeah. true. publishes mm-hmm. his books as well as his audio series. In one of his books called The End of Your World, Uncensored Straight Talk on the Nature of Enlightenment. It's a pretty provocative title. Wow. Um, and what I have loved about interviewing him is that every time, it was, or at least the first two or three times that I interviewed him, there was a way that we communed during the interview, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not quite sure if there's a better way to say it. But as you know, to really do, to really have a, 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 any conversation, it doesn't have to be an interview. Any conversation at any depth, you open up to feel what the other person is feeling. You tune in to who they are, and in the process of interviewing Adyashanti, I mean, the man exploded my world to the point where the first time I was interviewing him. You might get a kick out of this. I actually started feeling that there was like a stake that was being pounded into the top of my head. Oh, my gosh. Where the sutures come to together to the point where I developed such a splitting headache that I had to actually ask for a break.
0: Oh, my gosh. And take See, some Tylenol or something?
2: I just no, I just had to like go for a walk for like five, ten minutes and shake it off because it literally felt that there was this like, you know, uh, like a stake that you would put a tent down in the ground being pounded uh. into the top of my head. And of course, he and I were just having a casual conversation. It wasn't casual, but I mean, we were talking for two or three hours about all kinds of things.
0: Oh, my gosh. And
2: there's just such an intensity about the impact his being had on me, communing in that way over that period of time. And so I would definitely put him up there as one of the most um, dramatic impact on me interviews that I've ever done.
0: Wow! And how long ago was that?
2: That interview, which was the very first time I interviewed him, was probably about
0: four or five years ago. Oh, wow. So not too long ago. That's exciting. I mean, to be interviewing as long as you have been and to have such profound experiences still, I mean, that's really cool. It was, yeah. Yeah, I really love that. That's great. So I can only imagine, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to ask those hard questions now, um, but you're still going to have to give me some pointers, which luckily the two of you, are we're, we're going to see each other um, later on this month because we we'll are both being in Hawaii to um, listen to Eckhart talk. Totally. Yeah, here
2: might be my first tip: don't be afraid of being a little rude.
0: <laughs> okay, alrighty. Okay, I, I won't be afraid of being a little rude. Okay, that's that's a good tip. Because you can be
2: you can be rude in the nicest way. That's what I found.
0: <laughs> okay, I think you're still going to have to give me some extra pointers on that. Okay. Yeah, and and again, you know, you and I get to see each other soon, so I'm thrilled about that. And so I might be asking for some tips or maybe I'll just be listening to what the questions you ask people when I'm near you. Um, But I'm sure you've had interviews where you're interviewing someone and you're just maybe not sure that that person's very authentic or you're wondering if they actually believe in what they've written or said. And how do you handle that and how do you feel about it?
2: Well, what I notice happening often is that I'll start feeling agitated inside my body during the interview i actually start feeling something that you could call kind of like the feeling of anger start to rise up inside me. Mm. And, you know, only once did I actually stop an interview.
0: Really? You and, stopped it? Yeah, really?
2: I, I just stopped and I said, I'm going to have to do this on another day.
0: Wow. And
2: I, ma- I, I made it about me.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and, you know, who knows, maybe it was about me, but cause <laughs> I just felt like I can't, I can't continue at this point. This is, you know, and, and then I thought of a different way I could come at the interview that, uh, would be a different approach. But anyway, so what I notice is this feeling arising in me of agitation. And then I see, if is, is there something in that where I can it can form a question? And then I'll often attribute it to an imaginary listener. And I'll say something like, I wow. can imagine someone listening to this who might be feeling a bit agitated by what you're saying and who might have a question like this.
0: <laughs> wow. I th- that's a great idea. And so then you do get to be in your integrity and in what's going on in your own body, in your own internal questions or frustration in a way, and and be authentic right there in the moment. That's pretty amazing, pretty wise, actually.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that just sort of spontaneously I see happening. I haven't huh. really thought about
0: it, but yeah. I, no, I, I think that's lovely because I do, you know, I feel sounds true. And of course, you and everyone involved that there's so much integrity that just is blessed upon Sounds True. That's why I was so grateful, um, you know, when I found out that, you know, you guys were going to publish my book. Um, I was just thrilled, you know. I mean, it's like a big dream come true to me because I know that the integrity is just drenched throughout the company. And so I just love what you just said because it allows you to stay in that integrity, you know. That's fascinating to me and also fantastic. That also makes the audio, again, even more interesting because people can feel... Whether they're conscious of it or not, when someone's outside of their integrity, they can sense it.
2: Yeah, I'm curious how how does how do you sense that? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I haven't formulated the questions that you have done. So I learned a I've learned a lot in this interview, by the way. So thank you so much um, for that as well. I, I I get annoyed. I'm I usually get disappointed in myself that I you know I've invited someone onto the show and. And now I'm unhappy you know, with what's going on and I wish it were different. And, and then I do actually kind of step out of myself and think about people who could be touched by what's going on and whatever information is available is actually working for them. So I try to comfort myself in that way. But I'm going to try what you just taught me. And uh, thank you so much, Tammy. Our, believe it or not, our hour has come to pass. It has been a complete joy and blessing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for everything you do in the world.
2: Thank you, Marie, and I just want to say that for Sounds True, it's a great honor to get to publish your books and audio program. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And I'll see you in a few weeks. Okay, very good. <laughs> All right. Take have care. a great day. Bye bye. And thank you everyone. Joyful blessings. Bye bye.